podcast is lucky number episode 13. We sit down and chat with Justin from Monta Watches. It was a lot of fun. I got a chance to handle a Monta Atlas for the first extended period of time. Really liked the product. Justin's a great watch guy. You can tell based on the product that they make. They're into it. They're into details. We're going to have to have him back to just to talk about his personal collection because we talked a little bit more offline. And this guy's seriously into watches. He makes a killer product. He's got some really interesting takes on the industry and what's going on with Basil World. This is a fantastic listen. This was so much fun recording this episode. So we really hope you all enjoy this. All right. Well, uh, everybody, welcome to the uh, to the Whiskey and Watches podcast. I believe this is episode uh, lucky number 13. Yes, indeed. And we are, it is, we are absolutely thrilled to have Justin from Monta Watches on the podcast tonight. We are, this is our, I'd say probably our first actual watch manufacturer. No, no offense to Zach, but Zach's still working on his prototypes from a couple weeks ago. So uh, this is exciting for us. Justin, welcome. Thank you guys so much. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you. And uh, given the quarantine, there's no better way I'd rather spend my Saturday night than talking watches with some new friends. That's great to hear. I mean, Love it. it's I weird doing this. Better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, oh man, I don't want to take away your Saturday night, but none of us are going anywhere anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> so, well, um, before we get into, uh, I guess the the longer longer portion of the podcast, we like to do a a drink check and a and a wrist check. So, Justin is the guest. Why don't we let you go ahead and go first? Well, I um, it was a sixty degree day here in St. Louis, and um, we got outside and got the hammock out and uh, played around. So I actually opened a bottle of champagne because why the hell not? So Ooh, I finished that about 30 minutes ago, and uh, given uh, our, our present company tonight, I wanted to make sure I was playing my part. I've got uh, bullet rye uh, with some uh, sugar and some orange Angostura bitters on a big uh, ice sphere. All nice. right. I like, what, uh, I like what you're working with there. That's, <laughs> Thank you. that's perilously close to the old fashions exactly. that uh, I like that uh, Spencer – doesn't get so (laughs) good work man yeah (laughs) we can get into that in a second um and what what have you got on the wrist justin i have had on for about the last eight hours and and yes it it changes multiple times a day as you probably can relate to i'm wearing the (laughs) monta blue ocean king with the steel bezel on bracelet nice and if you look at our instagram today you'll see a wrist roll in my driveway and uh some instagram stories of that as well very nice. All right, Buzzy, you want to go next? Absolutely. So I, uh, I'm sticking to what I had last week. I'm uh, drinking a beer, a uh, Rheingeist Truth, uh, because it's delicious and uh, it's always it's always IPA weather in Cincinnati. Just because <laughs> I prefer them. <laughs> Unfortunately, in Cincinnati, uh, in the Cincinnati spring, it's always IPA weather. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. And then on my wrist, uh, it also changed a couple of times today. I, I admit that I put on a different uh, watch for our second walk uh, today, but <laughs> <laughs> went went back to uh, my Tudor Oyster Prince is what I'm wearing right now, nice. and it is on the 
Cincy Strapco uh, leather strap that I just received this week. Uh, it's one of those uh, two-stitch uh, style. So I think they call it natural Old West colors. Really kind of mellow brownish. Looks nice with the champagne dial. So I was really, uh, really hyped to get that in this week. It's looking looking good. How was how that strap? Nice. How is it holding up? Is it, is it, you liking it? Uh, oh, I love it. I love it. It yeah. is uh, by far the nicest leather strap that I've owned. Huh, it's good to hear. It uh, works perfectly. So, good job, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, what about you, Spangler? Um, so I've got another uh, Japanese whiskey here on the block. Um, it's from Suntory, uh, and it's their Toki whiskey. Um, super good. Just bought it this week. Can't complain about it. Um, and I'm just drinking that neat like I most normally do because the uh, ice where I live currently tastes like it comes out of a um, sprinkler. So no, <laughs> no, no need to ruin it with a good sprinkler ice, even though sometimes I like to. But uh, tonight it's just going to be neat. Uh, it's that downtown hip ice. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pairing very nicely with my uh, my Seiko turtle tonight. So uh, that's what I've got. Oh, all Japanese. Wrist. Very, very nice. Yeah, all Japanese. I'm strong. I'm full. Yeah. yeah, I'm going the uh, going the whole nine yards there. How about you, Spence? What do you got? What are you drinking? So Justin's going to find out that unlike Buzz, I am more of a Manhattan guy, um, and he and I have argued about this on the podcast before. Um, but so I've got a Woodford Reserve Manhattan uh, minus the cherry because we're out and going to the store is a once a week occurrence that's going to happen later next week. So out of cherries, but it still gets the job done. Mm-hmm. And um, as folks would uh, be able to see from our Instagram feed, since and this is the dead giveaway that I run our Instagram feed for most of it, um, <laughs> uh, I drove over um, and we did a very you know very safe social distancing exchange. But I drove over to our friend Noah's house. Uh, shout out to at Gelato Mancer, um, and I have on his blue Manta Atlas uh, that I've been wearing for the last. I don't know, probably 12 to 24 hours since I picked it up. Um, wanted to get the Monta experience outside of just the five minutes that I fondle it at Red Bar every time I see it. Um, <laughs> and actually actually get it out on the daylight because, you know, that it's not a good Red Bar meet if it's not shitty lighting. So um, seeing it in the sunshine uh, was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I've been really enjoying it. I was joking with him. I was like, he knows he's getting his watch back probably tomorrow or Monday, but... Uh, it's tough to take it off. I, I got to say, um, it's been it's been really fun to wear. Love the Monta Blue. So, uh, mm-hmm. and I did get to when I saw him, I got to mess with the. Uh, he picked up one of the last two steel bezel Ocean Kings. Um, exactly. Yeah. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Love the bracelet on that one um, with the micro adjust. That is a ton of fun. Um, We'll get in. We don't, we don't have to get into why you guys aren't putting that on other watches. I've heard the ten and two podcast. I get it. It's a dive watch. That's where that belongs. But it's a it, that bracelet's pretty sweet too. So uh, we can go ahead and go go ahead and uh, get to the main part of the part of the podcast now, which I think I set you up for a little bit there, Justin. So well, um, I'll, I'll jump right into it if you don't mind. Sure. Because there yeah. Give us your Monta monologue. There, there has <laughs> never been a better segue. Um, yeah. As of this very moment, I'm extremely proud to announce that every single Manta going forward 
will be shipping with a bracelet that has the micro adjustment. However, the Whoa. Atlas, the Triumph, and the SkyQuest will have a slightly smaller clasp. You know, the Ocean King has six slots, so the Triumph, Atlas, and SkyQuest will have a three-slot toolless micro adjustment clasp. We are extremely excited, extremely proud. Timing couldn't be better, couldn't be shittier at the same time, I guess. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, so we're 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 at that point, and um, some some of the folks who who ordered last week actually when they when they get their packages uh, Monday or Tuesday are, are going to have that. So so it's on game game on. Wow, oh, that, that is awesome. That's awesome. actually um, I know I know the folks uh, listening to this won't be able to see, but I know we're on video here. So this is actually the new the new clasp, and so just like the Ocean King, you drop this down, and you can ratchet it in and snap it back. And if you got to, Michael, you got to play with, with Noah's Ocean King clasp, um, there's actually a slight modification to the Ocean King clasp go, going forward where the notches um, all have detents along the way. So instead of it just sliding, you'll actually feel it click into every, every notch. And oh, it's, that's awesome. It's just killer. We're, like I said, we, we couldn't be more excited. That is super cool. Like that. So I, I don't mean to mic drop in the first five minutes here, but. No. Oh, man, that is. <laughs> World premiere right here. Yeah, right here. That's I wish I had cool. like a rap air horn to play. <laughs> <laughs> so that is uh, that is fantastic news, and I, I don't want to say I've been I haven't been on the fence about anything, but um, the guilt sky quest. I know I know your friend down in Nashville, Josh um, at Stuff and Watches is a is is all over the guilt sky quest on Instagram, and that's kind of been the model I've I've had my eye on. Yeah. And it now that now the the micro adjust I don't say it was a it was it wasn't a deal killer but I was like hey, you know I get why it's not on that one but but hearing that it's a game changer it kind of is it really yeah. is like that is that is you know because what it reminds me a lot of and I know this is a name that I'm sure you know obviously with your with the sister company Everest I have a Everest strap that fits to my Submariner's clasp but. That looks an awful lot like their glide lock system, and that's one of the things that sets. I don't say sets that watch apart. Obviously, there's other things that you know. The Submariner is an icon, mm-hmm. but the fact that you're getting something so similar that operates. I mean, like I said, Noah's the clicks on that was just phenomenal. Like it. Yeah. We, we've other people have talked about it too, and 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 I I think that's kind of the big thing. If if you have an opportunity to handle or wear a Manta. Like you, you have to take that opportunity simply because, like you know, I don't want to say it, it is tough to make a purchase that sizable not having seen it in person. Yep. And and Red Bar has been a great place. You know, I mean, every single time Noah brought his Atlas because he he's only had the the Ocean King now for I think a few days. Yes. Um. But but every time he'd bring the Atlas, everybody'd be like, "Oh, I haven't seen one of those yet. I need I need to see this." And I. You know, obviously, again, shitty lighting, so it doesn't do the dial justice. But right. it's one of those. It, it was one of the most handled watches the the first time you brought it, just because. You know, everybody everybody hears what everybody else says about them after they've seen them. It's like I got to see this for myself, and it's 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 yeah. always been, it's been something I've had my eye on for a bit, and I can tell you that it, it also helps that Noah and I have the same size wrist. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's been nice wearing this all day. Yeah. Uh, but that is that is a game changer. That is so cool to hear. So let me let me go one step further. Going forward, every bracelet will have two half links included as well. 
So not only can you dial in the the clasp, but if you really want to get down in the weeds, you can get a half link on either side and move that around however you need to. And then, uh, and then, and then finally, which this wouldn't have happened. This is the silver lining of COVID-19. We're a small business. We got to make ends meet. We've got to, we've got to create sales. And so we are going to actually sell the bracelets separately for a limited time. So if you were a Gen 1 Ocean King owner, if you're a Triumph Atlas SkyQuest owner, uh, you will be able to buy this, not the class, you have to buy the whole bracelet. Um, We're gonna make that available for sale here probably in the next 10 days or so. And the half link should be able to buy separately too. That's That's awesome. That's great. Because, you know, we, uh, on previous episodes, you know, we've done a little Rolex rant about, you know, why can't they just give people what they want to buy, right? Why, why can't you have the choice of bracelets anymore? So the, the fact that you de- made that decision to, you know, let people buy the upgrade, you know, that just, that's, that's it's important. It's all about, that's, that's, lis- yeah, it's, it's, it's all about yeah. listening to the customer. That, that is our number one objective, whether it's designing a new watch, whether it's, you know, creating a, a marketing strategy, or a social media strategy, or it's it's something like this. Um, that's that's what it's all about. You know, if you listen to your customer and take care of them, um, the rest of it's going to take care of itself. Yeah, and call me old fashioned, but like I really judge the quality of a bracelet based on the number of half links you get. So I really do appreciate the extra <laughs> half links. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in all serious now, um, I really do. I like the fact that you took it from. I think you said it was a five or six link adjustment on the. Uh, on the dive dive watch uh, bracelet, yes, uh, and you moved it down to a three uh, link for the other models, and like that just makes yeah. sense because you really want that micro adjust clasp. You know, I'm not going to point fingers at you know another, a certain brand with a five pointed crown, but you know, just shrinking down that like <laughs> adjustability to a more moderately sized clasp um, really just makes a lot of sense, we... and I like that. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yep. And and no, uh, just just to, to clarify for for everybody. Um, the end links are identical across our entire collection, uh, and that also ties into the straps. So, um, you know, someone like Noah could take his Ocean King bracelet and put it on his Atlas. Um, he can also take a leather or rubber strap that he bought for his Atlas and use it on his Ocean King. And uh, Michael, you mentioned our sister company, Everest, uh, which everybody knows. Um, their case connection is also identical. So if you wanted red rubber, on your Ocean King or your SkyQuest, you could buy that from the Everest site and it'll fit perfectly on on your Monta as well. Nice. So another question, I think, Buzz, you had a question about about the Everest straps and the the bracelet clasp. Did you want to go ahead and ask that? Yeah, exactly. I was just uh, wondering, because I've seen plenty of uh, Montas on the Everest strap, which is is great. Like, I really like uh, Spence's. It's a... it's a real nice option for nice weather. Is there any way that um, you can put the Manta clasp on on the uh, Everest? So you can do it. However, right. <laughs> he's got it up. <laughs> Let me clarify. That is incredible. <laughs> the... so, so those of you who can't see this because this is a podcast, Justin has a gray Everest with a Manta clasp on it on screen right now. Yes. I swear now. we didn't plan that. <laughs> we didn't. We really didn't. Uh, that, that's what that's what makes this so much fun. But what I do want to point out, because I am all about transparency and clarity, 
is that the center links of the Manta bracelet are wider than the center links of an Oyster bracelet. So it's kind of hard probably to see, but there is a little bit of wiggle and a gap uh, from where the rubber deployment piece meets the, uh, the clasp on the Manta clasp. Um, yeah. I'm pretty particular and I hardly notice it unless I'm looking for it. Um, you know, I, I would love to see like if somebody could find, I, I, and I'm just kind of looking at this, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of half a millimeter to three quarters of a millimeter. So if you could find yeah. like quarter millimeter rubber spacers, if those even exist, you could put that in there. Oh, rings. Yeah. Talk yeah. to your, talk to your local orthodontist from what I can remember from seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anyone else remember spacers? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I would, uh. I actually, I would bet that you could find some O-rings on McMaster car that would pop right in. And oh, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that is brilliant. Because, uh, you know, Spence has uh, an Everest on his Hulk, and uh, I love that. That's such a cool summer look. And to me, having that full clasp on there, it's uh, it's such a, a flex, as the kids would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's so funny because we hype... You know, we're, we're always talking about, um, you know, the punchline with Seiko's are, you know, the clasp is garbage or something. It, a clasp doesn't tell time or any of the important parts of a watch, but it's that touch point that you interact with every single time you take it on and every time you take it off. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of the enjoyment for me is just that those simple interactions. Yep. So I think one of the things that uh, with with what's happened in the past week with this massive show in Switzerland, um, <laughs> just that, just kind of may, may not be named anymore after twenty twenty. We'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah. So I mean, I, I know we it was some of the some of the news that's leaked. You know, with, with as far as as refunds, no refunds, what you can put towards next year, other larger brands pulling out. Um, I guess, Justin, I, I'm kind of curious as to what you all are thinking uh, with the January 2021 Basel World, kind of the future of that show. I mean, obviously, your, your social media presence is fantastic. We love watching all the Instagram live videos. We love the fact that you're on our podcast, on other podcasts. Mm -hmm. it, it really, we kind of joke about it with the Red Bar group. You know, the watches are, are the shared interests that bring us all together, but it is about the people. I'm curious as to your thoughts about your all's strategy for Basel World, maybe going forward, and kind of, you know, obviously you have a huge social media presence, how important that is, and how important it is to be connected with your customers and kind of taking Manta to the next level and further down the road after after this year. Yeah, so my thoughts are obviously still developing uh, every day. I think mm -hmm. given the fact that, um, you know, you know, Rolex, Tudor, Patek, Chapard, Chanel, uh, all pulled out. And then a couple of days later, the LVMH brands pulled out. So literally Hall mm -hmm. 1.0, which is the ground floor, the only brands left are Bell and Ross and Oris. That's it. Wow. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a smart guy. I'm not real smart, but <laughs> my business sense tells me that that show will not exist with just those two brands. So yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to be like a bold predictor here, but I think the show is over. Um, Watches and Wonders and then the new FHH show, whatever they're going to call this, with Rolex, Paddock, Chapard, and I'm assuming LVMH. 
there is the question of the little brands, you know, ourselves included, what do we do? We do extremely well at the wind-up shows. Um, I was so much looking forward to going to San Francisco a couple weeks ago. I look forward to the New York show every year. It's probably, you know, outside of my kids' birthdays, the thing I look forward to the most. And um, Michael, you hit it right on the head. It's all about the people. And you've probably heard me in other podcasts say, I like the watches, but I love the people. And that is not BS. That is true. It's getting to meet guys like you and hang out. It's getting to know my customers like Noah and the rest of them. And I have kind of the best job in the world because I'm a people person. I love watches. And I get to engage and deliver the very best customer service to, to our, our fans and our customers. So all that being said, I am excited in the sense that we can adapt very quickly as an independent brand. And I'm really excited to test this new kind of level playing field in the sense that we are going to launch a new model in 2020. It might be the week before Christmas, but we will launch one in 2020. (laughs) And um, and it's going to be up to us to create our own buzz. And it's going to be up to us to, you know, get out there and do what we do best. And if there's a show next year that makes sense for us to be at, we will consider it. But it's probably going to be hard if we have a very successful pre-order with no show. Yes. Whether it's this summer, this fall, this winter, whenever that happens. And side note on that, the reason why I say that is because the world shut down, which means Switzerland is shut down, which means Ed and Salida are shut down. My assembly company, my dial manufacturer, my hand manufacturer. So any model that we wanted to launch, we don't even have a prototype yet to photograph or even launch a pre-order with. So um, that's that's where that stands. But um, yeah, Michael uh, Demartini, my business partner, who's the, the creator of Monta um, and God love him. He, he convinced me to come do this with him, which was one of the best decisions I ever made. And um, uh, he and I are going to do an IG live on Monday and, and talk about Baselworld. Um, we're kind of collecting our thoughts. We're going to make sure it's really, you know, well thought out on what we think is going on, what we think is going to happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all that it, it's what matters to us in terms of us being Manta. And, um, I'm, I'm not worried about it, I guess is the bottom line. I think we can do just fine on our own without a show five years from now when we've got, you know, 30, 40, 50 retailers around the world, we'll see what the, the, the market is like, the industry is like, and then yes, we may really have to do a, a bigger show to, to meet with our retailers because we won't be able to hit all of them in a calendar year in, in as many you know weeks as there are. So, yeah. um, so grab your popcorn and, and sit back and watch. It's going to be a hell of a show. Oh, yeah. I'd say this is kind of the – we've all – all of the enthusiasts have always kind of talked about – we know that this – and I think we talked about it on one of the, our previous podcasts. We know a lot of the, the smaller brands, the independent brands go to these, and that's where you guys are networking and meeting and, and, and taking all of your good meetings and meeting with other retailers and journalists and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, brands like you that have pretty good buzz and a phenomenal product um, – it's almost interesting. It's like this is going to be that that business case to say, did we really need to go to the show? I mean, if you guys do a pre-order and a launch late 2020, you'll get that question answered, <laughs> which yeah. is going to be very interesting, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's um, the case study that you never knew that you wanted to run, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well said. So um, I'm hey, trying to I think can, here. Uh, yeah. I wanted just to ask you a little follow-up. Um, so, so you you mentioned uh, your your jump uh, to to Monta, right? That uh, 
your business yeah. partner convinced you to go. Take us back. What was that? Twenty uh, seventeen. Uh, twenty sixteen. So so. Twenty sixteen. Michael Demartini and David Barnes, who is a, a, a silent business partner of ours now, he's retired. Um, they were the original owners of Everest, still are, and um, they came up with the idea for Monta in 2015, poured a ton of money into R&D, and then went public with it in 2016. Um, I still love to go back to our order history, and literally order number one was this guy. Uh, Gen 1 Ocean King, when I was a semi-happy certified financial planner for Morgan Stanley here in St. Louis. And um, I got a front row seat to the prototyping process, the design process, all the decision-making processes, and I just fell in love with it. You know, I had a Tudor Black Bay with the burgundy bezel at the time, and I held that Gen 1 Ocean King prototype. And... You know, the biggest part of it was the watch itself, but I'd be lying if it wasn't 10 or 20% the fact that, that my friend um, created this thing, which really drew me in, um, which goes back to that the people aspect that, that all four of us really love about this hobby. And I just, I, I, as soon as the pre-order opened up, I, I was ready to go. I immediately dropped the pre-order. Um, and then about a month or two later, he said, um, basically... I want you to come work with me and do this with me. And the plan was I would run day-to-day operations for Everest while he shifted more of his attention on DeMonta. And okay. he said, I think that's the better path for you because Everest is established. We had 150 retailers at the time, huge online retail presence. And uh, he goes, that's the surest thing. He goes, Monta may not work. I would hate for you to come over here and do this. And six months later, I can't afford to keep this thing going and you don't have a job. And at 35 years, 34 years old at the time with a wife and two kids, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, this is a huge jump, huge risk for me. And um, long story short on that part of it, you know, people like ask me, like, how did you do this? Like I had a very successful book of business as a financial advisor and, um, you know, the house and car payments and kids and the whole American dream. And um, I summed it up to myself in a conversation with my father one night was that the fear of regret is greater than the pain of failure or that the pain of regret is greater than the pain of failure. And that kind of just echoed in my head. And I said, at this point in my life, this is the last chance where I can do this and fall on my face and still have enough time to get back up and make something out of myself. And I figured what better lesson to teach my children and what better thing to be proud of myself than this. And so it it happened kind of quickly. Like in about three months, I went from, you know, buying this pre-order of this new watch to quitting my job and, and coming on board. So uh, December 31st of 16 was my last day in finance. I told my partners about almost 60 days before that, had a long segue with clients, made sure everybody was taken care of. Jan right. 3 of 17, I walked into the Everest office. Three months later, I was at Baselworld 2017, like a kid in a candy store. And three months after that, Monta was about to fail because we were going for retailers and it wasn't going to work. And I saw the Triumph, particularly the blue one. And I was like, we can sell a thousand of these things. Like, this is a fantastic watch. I love this watch even more than the Gen 1 Ocean King. And Mike said, um, well, you want to invest in Monta? (laughs) 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 And I was like, absolutely. And so basically my investment was to fund the Triumph uh, production out of my own pocket. And that that acquired my, my equity in the company. 
and that was June of 17, and by the end of 2017, we joke about it now, you always say you make part-time money if you do something part-time, and I was doing Everest and Manta, and so uh, December 31st of 17, after one year at Everest, I retired and uh, moved, <laughs> moved full-time over to Manta, so it's been almost two and a half years, and um, you know, didn't expect uh, to, to have this type of situation in a global pandemic going on right now, but uh, aside from this, it's, it's gone fantastic. And uh, it's been, you know, uh, the, the chance of a lifetime and a, and a lifetime of chances, so to speak. Yeah, that's incredible. That's such a such a great story. You know, it's and that's that's one of the other touch points, right, between customers and, and smaller brands, right? You, you don't get that from a, a large established brand. It's the these stories of, you know how the owners came to, to start it, how did they come to be involved and you know, how, how did these products get made that I think that a lot of people just find fascinating, right? It's, it yeah. really builds that, uh, it's, it's almost like, uh, even though you don't, we don't actually know each other in person, it, you just, you start building, building that relationship. People, people love stories. So yeah, that's really neat. Well, and, and to your to your point, Buzz, when I was um, going back and forth with Noah Gelato Manser, as we know him on Instagram. Yep. When he <laughs> was interested in that 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 one of the last steel bezel black dial ocean kings, um, you know, he had some questions. I answered them, and uh, and when he got the watch, he messaged us and was like, you know, this is awesome. I'm so glad I I talked myself into it. And he said, the thing I love the most is I'm not just an invoice number, you know, for a big company like. I've never met you, but I know who you are. I know that you're going to take care of me, and I know who he is. I mean, I joked with him. I said, well, you're not an invoice number, but you're an Instagram handle. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's a little bit better. But, yeah, yeah, and that's, again, that's what I always go back to, that that's what it's all about. And and I know if we do things right, we're going to get to the point where we're going to be big enough where I'm not going to be able to do things like this as often as I would want to. I'm not going to get to know every customer because hopefully there's going to be thousands and thousands of them. Um, But I will still, you know, I, I long for the day when I'm getting on an airplane at some point in the future and I see a guy with a Manta on his wrist and I can walk up to him and introduce myself and thank him in person. Um, that, and then the, the, the crowning achievement is, is my business partner, Michael and I always say will be when we get off the plane in Geneva or Zurich. Um, and if you've ever been there, you know, in the airport, there's just these massive watch advertisements everywhere, like right in the terminal. Mm-hmm. When there's a 10 foot square Manta advertisement in, in the Geneva or Zurich airport, We'll probably be in our seventies, but but that's when we'll know we we really did it. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, you mentioned one of the questions that I was going to ask you. I I know on again on the ten and two podcast because I did a little bit of research before. I I didn't want to have you rehash everything that I've heard you say over the last you know couple months. But you had mentioned yeah. on that podcast three to five retailers this year. Obviously, on your video with Trey uh, at the right wrist earlier, I think this past week. You said, you know, that's kind of on hold, obviously, with, with no manufacturing happening. It's, it's kind of tough to supply those folks with what they would need. Makes, makes sense. Yep. Um, but your comment about 30 to 50 retailers at some point. So obviously that is still in your, in your guys' minds to continue to push ahead with retail, get the product in front of folks that way as well. So I, I guess obviously there's delay in that, but are you still thinking maybe add a couple more by the end of 2020 or at least definitely start that back up in 2021? I, I don't think we'll be adding any in 2020. Um, 
I think that would be a stretch. I, I mm-hmm. and we have to do it right. You know, I don't want yeah. someone mm-hmm. to to take a chance on us and say, okay, like I've seen you guys everywhere. Um, yes, the quality is fantastic. I love everything about you guys are doing, because if they come on board and all of a sudden they sell out of their initial stock and we can't replenish them, um, that's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. That's not how I want to do business. So, so that being said, I don't think 2020 is going to happen, but for sure, 2021, uh, that will be the goal because, uh, you know, Michael, you're a perfect example, like until, or any of you guys who go to the, the local red bar Sensi stuff, if you see, the watch in person, as I always say, feeling is believing in the case of Monta mm-hmm. because I can take all these pretty pictures and put them on Instagram and Facebook and et cetera. But until you can feel this new clasp, turn the bezel, see those beveled hands and the way they reflect the light in person, um, the articulating links, the raised indices, all of it, feeling it, seeing it in your hands, um, it, it suddenly does not seem like a very expensive watch. And that's uh, that's where we have to get. If, if we're going to really achieve scale, it's got to be a, a somewhat of a, a retail channel. We will probably have online sales for the the long term, but but definitely you know shifting more of that that revenue to, to retailers. Well, and I can you you mentioned a t- couple of the points. The things that I'm sitting here looking at the atlas on my wrist and noticing, and <clears throat> and I, th- I think I read it also on the Worn and Wound article as I was doing again research for for having you on. You know, the, the, the Rehot has little cuts in it for your applied indices. You've got just the, the slightest little detail. There's a chamfer on the outside of the case, but also on the inside of the lugs, there's just this fine little, like, just it's just the way this thing catches the light, despite being, I don't know, what, 95% solidly brushed. It's mm-hmm. just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, just the little details, just everything fits so nicely. Uh, I love the little bend in the 24-hour hand. That, to me, is just that's awesome. It's just a yeah. neat little detail that you don't see everywhere. Yeah. I got to ask, was that out of necessity to keep the watch thin, or was that a design choice? Uh, 50-50. So okay. <laughs> when you're looking at a, at a GMT, in this case, the SW330 or the ETA 2093, I think most GMTs, the GMT hand is the bottom of the hand stack, then hour, minute, second. So if you're going to have an applied indice, the second or the GMT hand either has to fall short of that or it has to clear it. And then if mm-hmm. you go, you know, if you have a tall indice like we have, you're raising the GMT hand up, which means you're pushing hour minutes and seconds up, which means you're pushing the pushing the thickness of the watch outside of what we feel is appropriate for for that kind of watch. And so it was real simple. Either do very short indices, which we did not want to do, or do a stubby GMT hand, for lack of a better term, which we didn't want to do either. And so um, we have a designer in Switzerland named Eric, uh, who is just one of the most talented and interesting. Uh, he's, he's an artist, uh, one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. And um, he and Michael came up with the idea to do this bend. And then Eric actually said, yeah, uh, Seiko actually did this in the 70s with one of their watches. So it wasn't really like we created it. I mean, we thought this would work and then we saw what they did. We modified it to our own style um, so that we could achieve the goal of the tall indices and a slim case profile. So the case profile on this thing's unbelievable. Ten point I mean, two that is, total thickness. It's it's. Uh, I mean, like I said, I kind of go back and forth between your SkyQuest because I'm a sucker for a ceramic bezel. I love yeah. a ceramic bezel, but the way this thing wears, just it. I'm looking for kind of an everyday watch. Again, I have I, 
got eight watches in my collection. I wear all. I wear one of them every day, and I don't ever have an issue wearing whichever I choose. Yeah. But like the watch that you just grab and don't think of, this is, this is up there. I mean the 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 brushing on the on the bezel with the slight polishing like right up against the it just it it wears so well and like you, like you said the fully articulating lugs, you kind of have to feel that to understand what it feels like on the wrist because yeah. it just lays perfectly. Yes. Um, which is just I mean. I've really enjoyed my about my day and a half with this. <laughs> no, Noah will be getting it back by the time this posts. He will already have his watch back. I've already joked with him, but I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where yes, if you haven't seen one of these in person, we always say go to your local Red Bar event just because you can see everything that you don't own in person, and that kind of gives me another segue to another question. You were kind of in on the ground floor with Red Bar in St. Louis, is that correct? I started it. Yeah, I mean it was so, it was all my idea. <laughs> so let's 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 talk let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, obviously, and the thing that you can tell, like I said, these little details, the, the fully articulating lugs, the the way the bracelet drapes, or sorry, the fully articulating links, the way the bracelet drapes, the the chamfer on the inside of the lugs, just you can tell yeah. that you guys are watch guys. So, yes. So let's let's go back to prior to your days at Monta and talk about founding Red Bar St. Louis kind of what watch got you into watches, what took you down the rabbit hole, what got you into all of this to decide, okay, I'm going to be on a watch, I'm going to own a watch brand at some point. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're, you're a very good interviewer in terms of asking these questions because you like, I didn't even have to say it. I was already reaching for it. It all starts with a watch. And for yeah. me, it was Ooh, the 116520 white dial That's a watch. steel bezel Daytona. Yes. <laughs> that is a watch. And, <laughs> uh, still have it, obviously. Um, uh, I bought it, I mean, it was basically new, but it was pre-owned at my local, uh, AD here in town in St. Louis. And, um, this is the one that really sent me down the rabbit hole and can never sell it. Of course. Um, I wear it very rarely. Um, actually I took a link out of it so my wife can wear it and she, she enjoys (laughs) it. But, um, after buying this watch and really starting to devote weekly time to Hodinkee, a blog to watch, worn and wound, et cetera. Um, and then creating my own Instagram account for watches instead of my Instagram account, like with pictures of my kids, I stumbled upon red bar, had no idea what it was and thought, wow, this is really cool. And so, um, so I actually, given my finance background, I I created this account called time value STL and I was going (laughs) to, that's what I was going to call it. And, and I sent an email to probably 20 guys and girls that I knew had a watch that they cared about and paid attention to and said, what would you think about grabbing drinks once a month to like talk about our watches, but then also talk about sports and travel and work and cars and kind of make it like a networking group. Mm-hmm. And I got some responses of like maybe eight to 10 people that were like, yeah, sounds cool. Sign me up. So I sent the first email out, like four or five people showed up. And we always did the like the first Wednesday of every month, I think, was my so that it was kind of routine. Mm-hmm. And after like yeah. three months, it was like the same four or five people. And then like that fourth month, like two of them didn't show up. And I was like, OK, I'm not going to do this. You know, this isn't going to work. Like, I don't want to be wasting people's time here. I did one more and like five new people showed up, like people that I knew but hadn't ever been to the to, been to it before. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was like, OK, maybe this will work. And. I, I kept up with it, and from that point on, it just steadily grew until um, right when I got in the business, I handed the reins over to Chrono Grant on Instagram, who's a very close mm-hmm. friend of mine, Monta customer, 
Um, he's young, passionate, no wife, no kids, all the time in the world on his hands. And he's really done great things with it to grow at leaps and bounds. So now I think he told me we're up to like 150 on the email list. And wow. our, our big events will turn out like 40 to 50 people at, at, at one gathering. And um, so ever since I got in the business, I you know avoided any conflict of interest and I'm, and I'm out of it. But I'm still very proud of it. The fact that six years ago when I started, it, it's still going and, um, and it's, it's really doing some cool things now. And a lot of people that... We never would have met each other, have gotten to meet, and um, you know some real friendships have come out of it, and then also some some really good work in the watch industry in terms of, you know, somebody wants to buy a sub or a Speedmaster and they're not really sure what to look for. Well, there's a guy who's owned like 15 of them over his lifetime, and he knows exactly what to look for and can aid them in the pitfalls and what to avoid, um, and and make sure that they're taken care of. Um, so 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 yeah, it really it truly. Uh, my involvement here today as a, an owner of a watch brand all started with that Daytona and, and Red Bar. It's now Red Bar STL. We, we, we did change the name after like a year. Um, and I actually emailed Adam Craniotis and said, hey, um, I started this little group in St. Louis. He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen you guys. And I'm like, is that cool? He's like, it's awesome. Keep doing it. I'm like, okay, great. And now, now I see him Our- a couple times a year and I text him and he, it's all great. Yeah, our friends uh, in Cincinnati, the ones who kind of started a few years ago, said the same thing. It was about six to eight of them, and we were talking about this before we started, get, you know, recording. It's about yeah. six to eight of them, and you know, they they were getting together. They didn't really know what to call it. Then they then they stumbled upon Red Bar, and they kind of emailed him and said, "Hey, could we use could we use the name or whatever?" He goes, he goes, "Yeah, yeah, sure. You guys can meet official chapter two. And and <laughs> apparently, him and Kathleen have come a couple of times because Kathleen's husband, I think, has a grand set of grandparents that live in Cincinnati and they come to opening yep. day, which opening day Every here in year. Cincinnati is a big, yep. So yeah. So like they, they've been to one of the red bar meetups in Cincy. So I'm obviously we didn't get to have opening day this year. So maybe next year we'll, I'll, we'll get to meet those folks, but it'd be, it'd be a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of weird how like it, it starts out slow and then eventually it's like, Oh, everybody, there is one, we should go, we should all go on, on, on this day. And it, it, it's, it's one of those where, Everybody's. I've heard this on the Scottish Watches podcast. I've heard it. We've talked about it on ours. Everybody kind of says, oh, "I'm a little nervous. I don't want to just go." Like I can't encourage people enough. Just go, go yeah. hang out. Everybody's cool. You get to see some cool stuff. Like just go. Yeah. Well, that that it's was really the surprising. great thing. Oh, go ahead, Evan. Oh no, I was just gonna say like when you when you come like and start talking to what? watch people, it's so surprising how like down to earth most of them are. Uh, like you, Dustin, like you're a super down to earth guy. You have your own company now, and like you know, you make great watches. And like a lot of people that I meet, you know, they may have like say like a Daytona or you know an AP or a Paddock, you know, what have you. But I mean, you know, they're all super inviting. Whether or not you wear a Seiko or you know a Casio and they're wearing a Paddock, like they're all just really super inviting. Like if you're into the hobby, just reach out. Definitely go try it out. You know, no one's gonna bite. It. It's fine. Just go for it. It's an instant bond, and, and that's what, what I really enjoyed running the Red Bar chapter when I did is I would get a DM on that account from um, like a guy from New York, for example, that, I, that I'm still in touch with, and he was like, hey, I'm in town for business for like 24 hours. Uh, I was just wondering if you know anybody's around. I was like, yep, what time can you meet tonight? And he's like, uh, like 6 o'clock. I'm like, where are you at? He's like, I'm downtown. I'm like, no problem. It's like a 20-minute drive for me. I'll be there. And uh, <laughs> we, had a, we had a couple beers at a bar downtown, and um, actually, when I was in New York, my brother was running the New York Marathon, and uh, his, him and his girlfriend lived in the Upper East Side, like, just kind of off the route. And he's like, swing by my place. We have, like, mimosas and stuff, like, to cheer on the runners. I'm like, absolutely. And uh, I've got 
like a dozen guys in my phone, their number saved who I've met one time, but anytime I'm going to be in their town or they're in St. Louis, they reach out. And a lot of times, you know, we, we get together and that's, that's, like I said, that's the best part. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. It really is about the people. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of, this is a, this is another question that I've got and I, Buzz, I texted this to you and to, and to Evan, and I don't want to forget it. And so you're in a beer town. Obviously, Budweiser's huge in St. Louis. I used to live in Milwaukee, where Miller's at. Um, Cincinnati's a is a bit of a beer town, but it's more craft brewing. I, I don't want to call a couple of these guys micro brews. And I know we, we've you know I've heard you guys talk about micro brand. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily consider with the with the stuff you guys are bringing some heat. I wouldn't consider you a micro brand. You're a smaller brand. But you're an independent brand, you're an independent, independent watchmaking brand. There's some good craft brewers. I don't want to say that I liken the, the independent brand, kind of some of the upstart brands, to the craft brewing scene here in the U.S., but I feel like it is a distinctly kind of American thing. Like, you know, I, I have this idea, I want to go for it, and, you know, I, I feel like, you know, your, your Rolexes of the world, your Paddocks of the world, your, your AB InBev, your Miller Cores, or whatever they're thinking. I think AB InBev and Miller Coors have realized, okay, these craft brewers guys, they're not going away. Their stuff's really good. They're actually quite popular. Um, I guess what do you all kind of see, you know, as, as, a, as a smaller independent watchmaker, what do you see kind of the growth strategy? What do, you, do you see alliances going forward? Do you see, I don't want to say like mergers, but like strategic alliances to source movements? Do you see a large conglomerate buying an independent brand at some point? I guess... It's just kind of an interesting thing because I look at Goose Island up in Chicago. They were bought by Budweiser, but Budweiser's largely kind of left them alone. So I guess what, right. what are your thoughts on that from your seat? Um, great question. And I think you the, the, the comparison of the watch industry to the beer industry is a really good one in that regard. Um, the big difference is you know, you look at, so here in St. Louis, we have a ton of microbrews because a lot of the, the AB InBev employees who left spun off and did their own thing. But, um, you know, take uh, New Belgium or uh, Sierra Nevada, places like that, mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the ones that are really well established, but are still, you know, microbrewery-esque. The big difference between that industry and the watch industry is, you know, we are making our dials in our hands with the same manufacturer that is making dials and hands for the, the, the cores, the millers, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, I got you. The beer brands are doing it all in house, you know? Right. Um, so it's an interesting kind of dichotomy there, but, um, to answer the other part of your question, you know, uh, collaborations or partnerships or anything like that. Um, look, I would be flattered and floored if I got an email or a phone call from the head of product development for Oris or Ulysse Narden or, you know, insert any name you want. Uh, Rolex Omega, they don't even know we exist. They're never going to come calling. <laughs> um, but, you know, some of these mid-tier brands like the names I mentioned, you know, maybe our paths will cross at some point in the future. Um, but I... I don't have any interest in that. You know, I want to do what we do. Um, mm -hmm. Is I, I, I did an interview with Ariel Adams from a blog to watch at the Chicago Microlux show last fall. Mm -hmm. And um, I was telling him that no one can beat us in customer service. Someone can match us, but you cannot beat us in customer service. That's where we can really thrive. 
AP is going to beat us in case finishing. The case finishing on a Royal Oak, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's that the Atlas is better or the Triumph is better. Like, their case finishing is ridiculous, and a lot of it is done by hand. Ours is done the vast majority by machines. At the end, it's kind of done by hand, but it's very minimal. Um, so that, that given where we are on a price point, that's just what that's going to be. As we move upstream, um, you know, we had a slight price increase this year. Um, we're probably going to have one next year. And um, as we can afford to do, you know, more interesting stuff, um, I would love to do a chronograph at some point. I would love to do uh, an applied logo on the dial. I would love to come up with a new bracelet design in, in addition to our current design, like have two different styles of bracelets for different styles of watches. So as we continue to do that, um, I think we will move into that Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, you know, more recognizable, more retailers. Um, so I think we'll just continue down that path as opposed to any type of merger. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. If 15 years from now, some big brand dangles a huge amount of money in our face, <laughs> you only live once, you know, and I, I want to spend yes. my life with my wife and kids as much as I can. And, and money will help that, but that's not my focus right now. So, um, so that, that's a long way of answering your question of saying, no, I, I don't see any merger activity in that regard. I think we'll continue to be like those mid-tier, you know, micro brews uh, in, in, in the beer industry analogy. It's really interesting to me um, how non-vertically integrated the, the watchmaking industry is right when when listening to the, the ten and two podcast you know you're talking about uh, you know our, our case makers and our dial makers and our source of movements and then how how you're sharing that you know those sources are really shared by everyone from the largest brands to the smallest yeah um and that really it just comes as a a lot of a surprise. Uh, to me, I mean, you you see that that's going to stay that way for for quite a time. I mean, it's it's I would imagine it's been that way for you know decades. Do you, do you see that continuing? Yeah, no doubt. Um, like our hand manufacturer has been making hands for over a hundred years, and they <laughs> they're the ones who they're they're the biggest and the best. I can honestly say our hand manufacturer is the most impressive that we work with. And that's not to belittle dial, case, uh, movement, uh, assembly, et cetera, but, um, but our, hand mac our hand manufacturer in particular, um, nobody can touch them. And it's kind of weird that you would think like, well, in this day and age, there's a lot of smart people, there's so much technology out there. Why hasn't an Asian hand manufacturer been able to match what our, our Swiss hand manufacturer is able to do? I don't have an answer for that buzz. I really don't. It's just, they're just, they just do what they do. You know, like, um, I, I, I couldn't tell you the first thing about how they, they laser cut those hands and make those bubbles perfect and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was the thing that really blew my hair back, you know, three and a half years ago when I really got to see how the sausage was made. Um, you know, imagine this, you know, the, the guy with, with this Daytona, <laughs> walking into our dial manufacturer, our hand manufacturer and having them show us, you know, things that they're working on and being like, oh, that's a, I know that watch, that, that, that's a <laughs> fill in the blank. Well, yeah, we, we make their dials, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, 
Or same thing with the, the, the case and bracelet, the, the dial, the hands. And then, um, you know, even our assembly company, they are the overflow assembly company for some very big brands. So when they're in a big crunch and they got to make 5,000 watches, they can only make four. Our assembly company assembles the other 1,000 for them. So there's been times when we're in there and, you know, we obviously want to take a lot of photos for Instagram because people really geek out on that. And, and we love showing that when we can. Um, you know, the people there, they'll like, sometimes they'll be like, no cameras today, guys. Sorry, because there's all kinds <laughs> of other stuff going on. We're like, no problem. Got it. So, um, but so yeah, I, I think it's going to continue like this. I mean, it's, um, until somebody can prove to us, they can make hands better than our current manufacturer. We're not going anywhere. We're sticking with them. That's, that's so cool, Justin, yeah. because I'm, I'm an engineer. I, you know, design products, uh, you know, we manufacture, you know, a very, very large number of them. And uh, to, to see how the sausage is made, you know, it's, it's really, it's that uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> type of wonder sometimes when you're at some of these vendors, you know, when you see some of, you know, some of the stuff that we do in the automation or, you know, just different aspects of what make these vendors excellent. Yeah, and uh, they're artists, yeah. you know. I mean, in, in their particular craft. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So something yeah. else I wanted to to bring up, um, just just because I'm, it's something I'm really proud of that we've talked about a couple times in the last couple months, is uh, back in the first week of this year in January, we officially brought on our own in-house watchmaker, and that's yeah. not to say that everything is being made here in St. Louis. That's not the case. All of our watches are definitely Swiss made. <laughs> it's just that he is handling all of the service in house, uh, any warranty issues, uh, because let's face it, they're mechanical watches and things happen. People drop them, etc. cetera. But Absolutely. he's also, you know, taking over for my partner, Michael's role in production, prototyping and inventory management, um, which has been crucial for us. Um, especially right now as, you know, we're, we're trying to gauge what sales are going to look like, what models are doing the best, when we need to reorder cases, dials, hands, bracelets, etc. And um, he's just a wonderful guy to work with. He's pretty young. You know, he's, he's been, I guess he's been a watchmaker officially for like six or seven years. Um, but he's just brilliant. You know, he's, he's kind of a, a prodigy in, in one regard. And um it's just really cool for us to say that we have an in-house watchmaker that he can explain things to me when, you know, the, 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 uh, Salida or Etta or, or Soprod tells us something about a movement and we're like, yeah, okay, I think I kind of know what that is, but then he can really digest it and say, here's the problem, you know, here's the part that needs to be ordered or here's how we can do this better. I think we should move the crystal height, all these different things that, you know, it just really makes us a much stronger team. And um, it's, it's honestly the thing I'm most excited about for the future as we grow, to have him there um, for a brand of our size and where we're going in the future. Um, he's he's going to be a, a huge component of that to, to really make us better. So I wanted to make sure I included that. Oh, yeah. No, that's, uh, that's going to be great from a, from, like you said, from a service perspective and then obviously brings a lot of know-how to the team. Um, you know, from, from, from with his background. So that's just, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, a, a business is in the building. Uh, it, it's not that much the products. It's the people that, that make them right. The people that come up with the ideas and make them happen. 
Yep. You know, so so good people is, is key to the success of any enterprise. Yep. I I have to ask: Did, did uh, any of your uh, the watch people you have working for you have any inputs for the new watch you are uh, planning to release in twenty twenty at all? Or is that still um, solely you guys? Yeah. So so um, design prototyping is a process of. My partner, Michael, and Eric, our designer in Switzerland, and Eric has worked for, he was actually pretty high up in the redesign of the El Pomero with Zenith uh, back nice. in the day. Yeah. So he's, he's got some serious chops. And um, so Michael comes up with kind of the overarching idea, theme, design, mm-hmm. if you will. And yep. then he and Eric noodle on it. They talk about size and color and shape and all of that. And then uh, And then for me, it's great because I just get to you know, I'm CC'd on the emails. We do like call, you know, like video calls, like in the morning when it's afternoon in Switzerland and there we're sharing screens with CAD drawings. And then, um, and then when, you know, like when, when a, a rendering arrives in, in this beautiful digital format, I just sit there and go like, yeah, that's awesome. Wait, wait, go, guys. you nailed it. And, um, and the, the really cool thing is they work so well together is that, every watch we've released we've never had to like for example like the atlas case the atlas case is not a triumph um it's it's actually a SkyQuest mid case that's mm-hmm. been squished down a little bit but it's a triumph bezel that's been fattened up a little bit so it's a little bit taller <laughs> more pronounced a lot of people say oh it's just the triumph with a gmt movement i mean kind of but but not really every time we've done this We've never had to like re-prototype something. Like when we get the prototype case, we're never like, oh, we should have done this differently. It's like they nail it. Um, whether it's cases, dials, or hands, every time. And so, um, so actually, I, I, I will tell you that uh, given the whole COVID deal, um, Eric got the dials, um, I don't know, maybe like a month ago when Switzerland was still open. And uh, we were going back and forth on them uh, via like a Skype call. And then um, then Switzerland shut down because of COVID. And so they're kind of starting to reopen in the sense that he can like leave his house. And so I think on Monday, he's actually shipping me the prototype dials to my house um, so that awesome. Michael and I can see them. We're going to have Chandler, the watchmaker, case them up. Um, mm. and, and so we can see them under glass. And uh, and then kind of start making some decisions of, of what we want to proceed with. So so it's getting pretty exciting. That's exciting yeah. stuff. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and I mean I know I know you're, we you you and Michael have talked about this a couple of times, and I know it's you know given the whole worldwide situation, it's probably it's probably not this year. But I mean you mentioned that Eric worked on the El Primero. You guys don't have a chronograph yet. Everyone's waiting for you to make that. It's like. I, I know that that I know that that Michael has talked about that. And I know you guys have talked about that before, but I mean, dropping the fact that Eric worked on the El Primero, like I, I know that that's the I don't want to say gap by any means, but like that's the one thing I think everyone's waiting for is yeah. is your chronograph. I, well, I know that's probably not happening a, this year. I'm but a yeah, chronograph yeah. guy, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not this year. No, I, I yeah. I'll take it to the grave. Like you're not going to see a chronograph from Monta in 2020, probably not even in 2021, um, mm-hmm. but it will happen. It's just, it's not if it's when. So yeah. is it, 
going to be before or after that uh, quartz uh, tourbillon that you guys were joking about? <laughs> on, uh, it, it was actually, Buzz, it's a rose gold tourbillon minute repeater Ooh. was was what we were really going for. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, to- total joke. Well, so anybody who's listening to this, don't be expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I know we're probably running, you know, probably running right around time for uh, for the for the podcast. And, and Justin, we really appreciate you taking the time on a Saturday night to talk with us. Um, you know, you, this has been an absolute blast. Um, when you guys are releasing yeah. something, you know, let us know. Love to have you back on. Love to see some yes. stuff. Definitely. You know, we we really appreciate you coming on our little humble podcast. We we joke, you know, our listener is going to really love this. <laughs> the, the one that we have, he's going to really love this. Um, but no, it's it's been an absolute blast having you on, and it, I, I, I mean, I think you know, I think you know, we we kind of we kind of touched it, you know, touched on it. It's it's really about the people, and I love seeing your stuff on Instagram, and I know all the three of us really big fan of what you're doing. That awesome announcement about the bracelet, it's gonna be like that. I'm probably ordering a Guilt Sky Quest. Let's be real. <laughs> like, let's be real. I'm probably you know, ordering I've been that now. Over for the past couple of weeks, so you know, I, after this, I, I definitely feel like it's gonna come. Yeah. This, yeah. This, so um, it's it's nice, man. It'll look great on your wrist, Michael. Yeah, I, it, it, it's so good, <laughs> so good. Um, but anyway, no, we we appreciate we appreciate you, you coming on. Um, it's been abs- it's been an absolute blast, and we're looking forward yeah. to seeing what you guys come up with late in twenty twenty. Yeah, thank yep. you guys so much, and um, you know I, I'd love to do this again. Um, I, I'm actually kind of glad that we're all in this situation, so we have the time and opportunity to do things like this. Um, you know, so it is nice for me as, as the business owner to have the ability to do this from a sales and marketing standpoint, but it also really stokes the fire and reignites the watch enthusiast in me to get back to where I came from, to doing a red bar style event or just a, you know, a, a hangout like this with the four of us. And uh, you've got my number, you got my email, you know how to get me on DM, reach out. Um, I, lo- I love talking watches and uh, would love to do this again with you guys sometime soon. And and uh, even get you a, a prototype here uh, when when it happens, so you can help us spread the oh, word. Oh, that would be so fantastic! That'd be that so cool. That would be great. For sure. Yeah, no, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Justin. This has been a blast. Thank you so much, and uh, really excited to see what twenty twenty holds for you guys. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, cheers. Thank Thanks. you so much. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>